16, if you will, Romans 16, and uh, we're going to get rolling here. Uh, this morning, verse 27 is where we're at once again. Um, I, uh, then this will probably wrap up uh, verse 27, Lord willing, this morning. And then next week we'll have one more uh, message in the book of Romans, just kind of conclude it. And then to link it into our next book, which is 1 Corinthians. So we're going to just keep moving like normal. I know it's the summertime. I know folks are out and doing uh, world travelers and local travelers and so forth and everything. So we'll just keep going. And YouTube will be there for those that want to see it. And if not, then that's fine. So uh, Romans 16, let's just start reading in verse 25 here uh, uh, as uh, to get us in the context. Now to him that is of power to establish you, According to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest, and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. To God only wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. And that doxology there of verse 27, we were in it last week, Again, we'll be in it this morning, and then next week we'll just kind of wrap the whole book up and, and move, move forward. The issue of the doxology, the way Paul is ending the book, uh, dox, uh, doxo, that means to, to, uh, to praise, to worship. And Paul is going to conclude Romans here uh, praising and honoring uh, God and about who God is and what, what he's accomplished. And again, back in verse 25, and we spent six, eight weeks looking at one verse, uh, on, you know, and we're now to him, and that's God, that, that is of power to establish you. And that's the whole goal of the book of Romans, is that issue of establishment. Chapter 1, verse 11, he says, I want to establish you, set you up. Now we're at the conclusion here, we're at the end. Now Paul is going to release us to the doctrines of Romans, that's the my gospel, but he's also going to bring us and move us out to the book of Ephesians. And we'll talk about this next time, uh, next week. But he's going to move us now to that further spiritual growth. Now we've got Corinthians and Galatians in between, and we'll deal with that uh, next time. But this morning, what we started last time in verse 27, to God only wise, if you come over to 1 Timothy 1, just to remind us here, of what Paul is doing as we're now going to move forward and, and really kind of, we answered the why question last time. Remember we did the who, what, where, when. We answered the why question last time, and this morning I hope to answer the how question. So why was the mystery a mystery, and then how is it going to be all accomplished out and so forth. But look, if you will, real quick, 1 Timothy 1, verse 17 Paul says, now unto the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. And again, when you come back to 1627, he doesn't say to, on, to the only wise God. He says, to God, only wise. And the emphasis is different. Now, there is only one God, and we understand that. Actually, the adversary understands that in Acts the the demon looks over there and says, 
I know who Jesus is, and I know who Paul is, but who are you, okay? Who do you think you are? You're not, the, you're not one of these guys. You're, you're an imposter. So the issue here isn't that it's, it's only one God, but rather in 1627, the emphasis is, and where Paul is placing the emphasis, is on the fact that it, it, it's not... It's that there is only, not that there is not only just one God, but there is God, but then he's only wise. He's the only wise God. Okay, not only God, but only, he. why? Because there's other creatures that are going to pop up here, and that's what Paul's really getting at, is there are others that are going to come in here that are going to say they are as wise as God, if not wiser. And the emphasis here by Paul is not to God, but to the only wise part, because what did man do? Remember how we looked last time? Well, we'll get there in just a second. So when that allows us to look at the fact, to, allow, to, to take into consideration that there are going to be other beings, i.e. the adversary, Satan, Lucifer, and then man who are going to say what? I'm as wise as God, if not wiser. And, and again, that is literally the, the why question. Why was this mystery kept a secret? Why was it? Because there's other creatures who say what? I'm as wise as God, if not wiser. And God says, oh yeah? I kept a secret. And you didn't know it. And I hid it in myself, and then I revealed it. So he literally is taking Satan. He, he's letting Satan do all the work if you will. And when it's done, he says, you did all the dirty work, but I won, and you lost. See, And that's really the issue here of God's wisdom. And that's what Paul is demonstrating at the end here, is God's wisdom is unmatched, it's unparalleled, and there's no other being that possesses that measure of wisdom that God the Father possesses. Now, come over quickly, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. This is kind of where we ended uh, last time, and I just want to pick up here as we move forward because I want to pick up on that, to God only wise, then be glory, and that's the how. Be glory through the Lord Jesus, through Jesus Christ. Look, if you will, at 1 Corinthians 2. Okay, So when he says to God only wise, he's not saying that there's only one God, but rather we worship the only wise God. That's who we worship, okay? He's the only one that's that, in that manner. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 7, But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. And that's literally why the mystery was a mystery. What did, they, what did God's wisdom have to, what had to happen? The crucifixion of Christ. So how do we get that to happen? Okay. By the way, it was God ordained, the end of verse 7, when? Before the world began. To who? To our glory. And we'll get over there in a minute, the glory. But notice, before the world, before he created anything, before Genesis 1.1, he laid out a, that wisdom plan. By the way, that plan, Ephesians 3 calls it, the calls him the father of glory. 
So when we look at this, and again, if you remember Ezekiel 28, verse 3, thou art wiser than Daniel. There's no secret. You remember that verse from last time? Yeah, no? Okay, go back there and look. Ezekiel 28. You're looking at me like it's Sunday morning too early to be thinking about this. Ezekiel 28, if you look there at verse 3, he says, But behold, thou art wiser than Daniel. There is no secret that they can hide from thee. And again, he's talking to the adversary, the man behind the prince, the man behind the king. You know, it's kind of like that Wizard of Oz, the man behind the curtain. That's who he's talking to. So when you come back to 1627, Romans, sorry, what Paul is demonstrating here is his wisdom far suppresses any, far passes anybody else's wisdom, God's wisdom. And what, God's, what makes God's wisdom unparalleled is that is really he doesn't do what as much as you'd think he should do to defeat the adversary. What did he do? He just kept a secret. He let the scheming of the adversary, he let the adversary to go out and do all of that work. On, and Wednesday night we're in Mark 14, and we've been look, kind of in there as Judas Iscariot, and Satan enters into Judas's heart and gets him thinking, and then he enters him, and the Lord never stops him. Here's a guy, inner circle, one of the 12. And the Lord, he just, it's, why? Because what does he need to do? He needs to get, he, the crucifixion of Christ needs to happen. So he, God allowed the adversary to do all the dirty work that, again, brought about ultimately his demise, his end. And that's really what 1 Corinthians 2.8 is telling you. Had the prince of the... By the way, the prince there, <laughs> he said he called it the princes of this world. If you come over to Ephesians 2, you'll see Paul use that terminology again. Ephesians 2, verse 2, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. That prince, the top, the top ruler the head guy, but it's of the power, the governmental structure of the air, the invisible realm. You can't see it. It's kind of like the radio waves and the TV waves and all that you know stuff floating there that you can't see, but you turn the transistor to the right setting and you hear it, and there it is. He's the prince, the power of the air. So what Paul is doing, come back to chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians. What Paul's doing here in saying to God only wise, is what in God's, God's hidden wisdom, what did he do? In his wisdom, before the foundation, he says, we're going to keep this section of the blueprint of the code, remember, according to that specific code of information. According, I'm going to keep this section here so that the Satan will do this, 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 and this. And what God did was he allowed the free will scheming and conspiring and work of Satan himself. Again, he literally, he stands back, he lets Satan do all the work, and then in the end he says what? I won, you lose. 
again, so he's not, he doesn't do, see, we have this idea that God had this, you know, wonderful 10-page battle plan. No, just one page, not even a page. I keep a secret. And I'm going to lay out everything. I read somewhere years ago, and I'll get it wrong, but you can do the best bat, the best war fought. I'm sorry, the best war won is the war never fought. That's what God did. He what he he's waging a war, but he's really not waging a. He just kept a secret. In 1 Corinthians 1, just real quick, if you look there at verse 25, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is what? Where, where would the weakness of God be on display? The cross. He looks weak. He's been beaten. He's been battered down. He's, he's been, I mean, the Romans just brutalized him. You know what Satan said? I got him. I mean, if you think about the cross and what he went through on the cross, we're about to get into it in Mark. That's why I've been thinking about it. And they're just going to beat the living snot out of the guy. What does Satan see? I have my opportunity. He's at his weakest point here. And the battle is raging. So when you think about the foolishness of God is wiser than men, that's where it's at. It, by the way, 2 Corinthians 13, look at verse 4. Okay, And I, I just give you that understanding about the cross being the weak point. 2 Corinthians 13, 4. For though he was crucified through weakness... Yet he liveth by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. And again, that's that whole issue there of Calvary. So in coming back to, to Romans 16, that's what Paul's doing here. He's ending the book the way he started the book. And he's ending it with, you know who we're worshiping? You know how you want to worship God? You want to... You need to be worshiping according to my gospel, according to the preaching of Jesus Christ, <clears throat> according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began but now made manifest. <laughs> That's what you need to be doing. Now, last time, go back to Romans 16 and look at verse 27. Because he says, To God only wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. And, and again, this is, come over to Romans 1, and we looked at this last time, but I want to pick up on something here, that issue of to be glory. To God only wise, be glory. So the why, why was the mystery kept a secret? Because we had to get Calvary done, right? He kept a secret. But the meaning of that event was now, was kept secret. The event itself is talked about since, well, really Genesis 3, okay? But the meaning behind it, what does this mean? Remember we looked over there when we went through verse 25 of Romans 16, and I mean, the prophets inquired, they couldn't figure it out, they, don't worry about it, it's, it's coming, see? What does it mean? 
that was kept secret. And, what, and, and as we do this, we'll see that it was kept secret here for our benefit. And it took the adversary. Look at Romans 1, verse 21. Because that when they, and the they here is man. Actually, the they here is back up to verse 18 there at the end of that, who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Okay, so here's man. What did man do? When they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. 16.27, to God only wise. What did man do? Man said, I, we're, wise, we're as wise as God. Now, in, <laughs> the rest, Romans 1 to 5 <laughs> just squashes that quickly. Verse 23, and change the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like the corruptible man and the birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. What did, what did they do? They changed the glory of God. What did they change it to? Now, by the way, 1627, to God only wise be what? Glory. What did they change him to? To the image of corruptible man. What does Hebrews 1 verse 3 say? Jesus Christ is the very Im the expressed image of God. Colossians 2, he's the Godhead bodily. 16.27, to God only wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. By the way, the forever, if you look down at verse 25, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature, more than the Creator who is blessed for what? Forever. So what Paul does here is he's setting the stage that man at his best is what? A failure. Solomon said it. Vanity, vanity. When you're in, you think you're at your best estate, you're what? Vanity. There's nothing there. See? And what does man do? Man's going to argue that out for history. He's going to continually to argue, no, 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 no. See, I, by the way, I love verse 22, professing. Where are professors located at? And what do you do? You go to university to get a what? An education, right? And then you can, now you can profess to be what? Wise, and yet you know nothing when you come out. I had a college teacher... My uh, business class teacher, a business general, and then he was that class and then my marketing class, and he said everything in that, he, he, at first day, you know, you got your books, you walk in because you got to buy the book, set the book down. He goes, you take all them books back. We will never use them. And we're like, well, why did you put it on the syllabus that we had to have it? He goes, well, because the administration said you got to have a book. And so one of the football players goes, well, why don't we need the book? And he goes, because the book is outdated as of 10 years ago when they wrote it. It doesn't work today, and we're going to talk about stuff that works today. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. So we all go back into the bookstore. Oh, it was hilarious. Sorry. I'm, we go back in there. There's, there's 60 of us because there's 30 in each class. And we all bring these books back, and the book department goes, you were in Mr. Jordan's class today, weren't you? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Why? Because we were taking them back, and they knew, you know, what was happening. But the point, anyway, that has nothing to do with nothing. 
So where are you at? Romans 16. Okay. To, what is man doing here? He's professing to be, he's procrastinating that he's wise. And what did God do? God said, no, you're not. See, you're not. And that's what Paul is doing. He's, he's setting the stage here in Romans 1 of here's man's condition. Man's condition is failure. And God's condition is salvation, justification, and so forth. So this issue here where he talks about changing, the, in verse 23, the glory of the uncorruptible God, and then if you flip there back to 1627, to God only wise be glory. And I want to look at that issue, glory through Jesus Christ. That issue here this morning, as we, wrap, as we conclude the verse-by-verse verse study of Romans. Now, again, next week we'll have another class on Romans to show you how it links into everything coming. Why it sits in Paul's epistle book number one, even though it wasn't written first. But what we have here is we have... There's an issue here that Paul is establishing in Romans 16, be gl the glory issue, that's literally going to translate down through all of Paul's epistles, the rest of Paul's epistles here. If you think about it, it is impossible to add or take away from the glory of God. How do you change the glory of God? You can't. It's his person. It's, it's his essence. It's his nature. It's who he is. It's glory. In John 17, the, the, the son's coming down. He, the, the Lord is coming into the garden, and he's praying to the Father. And he says, hey, take me back to the glory we had before all this started. Why? Because glory is where they... So you can't eliminate, move, add, detract. You can't add more glory. You can't take away glory. So it isn't so when he says be glory here it isn't about who God is in his person in his being in his nature cuz you can't do that. So when he says be glory he's not talking about who God is but rather he's talking about what God is going to be doing. God again God let Satan he let man do all the dirty work. And that's literally what Romans 1's about, okay? So how, back there in Romans 1, verse 23, how in their foolishness do they change, verse 22, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and change the glory. How does man change, in their foolishness, the glory of God? Look there at verse 23. How did they do it? They changed him into an image uh, made like to what? Corruptible man. To birds and four-footed beasts. And what they did was they changed their understanding of who God is. Man changed the view of God as into something else. So what did they do? They altered, they corrupted the what? Who God is. See, they under, their understanding of who God is and what God's doing, it all got out of whack. 
See, they made him into something that he wasn't. So when Paul says in 1627, be glory, again, it's not about his person, who he is. It's more, it's rather, here's, here's, we need to have a right understanding of who he is and what he's doing. You follow that? That's what's happening here, okay? Not only in his, is his wisdom unmatched and unparalleled, but now we are to see and understand his glory. So what did he do? Romans 16, verse 25. Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began but now is made manifest. That's why Paul ends this way and he's ending the book with the how. You see, the, see, the mystery. The mystery is, 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 is the how here. The one... The one God who is only wise, to whom be glory forever. See, this centers around, his glory is centering around the mystery truth. It's not sitting over here in la-la land or in some place you can't get to or recognize in your understanding. Okay, you physically can't get there yet, but one day, new body and you'll be there. But rather, he's, he, Paul is coming in and he's saying, look, all that God did was he kept a secret. He kept secret, a system of information. He hid it in himself. He allowed the, the creatures, Satan and man, to do all of the necessary dirty work to try to overthrow. See, Yet the result of all of their work resulted in the cross of Christ. And that ultimately brings God glory. Again, you lose, I win. Now come over to Ephesians 1 and just kind of watch this work out here. So again, when Paul is ending the book here, he's drawing our attention to not only is the wisdom of God to keep a secret hit, unmatched, unparalleled, not only does God allow others to come up and say, we're just as wise as God, if not wiser. By the way, do you know the wisest man to ever walk the earth outside of the Lord Jesus Christ, obviously? Solomon was. Okay? That's why when you read Ecclesiastes and you look through that book, you see it so paralleled into humanity today. Why? Because it's all about man's wisdom. It's what it is. Vanity, vanity. It's nothing new under the sun. Why? Because... It's already been there, done, you know, just on a vicious cycle. You found Ephesians 1, right? Okay. Verse 8. Uh, start in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings and heavenly places in Christ. The us there is who? The church, the body of Christ. Well, where did that come from? The revelation of the mystery. Okay. Here's the activity of the Father, what the Father, his side of it, verse 8, wherein he, and that's the Father, hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, 
both which are, which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ. You see, everything, the issue of God's glory, to God only wise be glory through Jesus Christ. It, his glory is associated with the keeping of the secret and then the revelation of the secret. See, how is God honored and praised and worshipped today? It's, look at verse 9. Having made what? Known unto us the mystery of will. The glory of God hinges upon the revelation of the mystery given to the Apostle Paul, given to the church, the body of Christ. See, that system of truth that God deliberately hid in Himself. Okay? Now, we're not talking about information you can't go find and understand. We're talking about information that what did He do? Now, do you realize that nobody prior to Paul had the full understanding of the will of the Father? I hope you Israel never did. It always was a moving thing with Israel. Why? Because God kept giving them more information. So here and here, okay? He's not talking to the lost of the world here, by the way. Who is he talking to? The church, the body of Christ. So the how, how is he going to accomplish all of this, is what? It's through you and I, the church, the body of Christ. The glory of God, it hinges upon the very understanding of not only who God is, but what he's doing. And when you understand that, now you can properly respond to him. You can properly worship him, praise him, honor him, and glory. And I know, I know what religion does. Okay? Where are you today? You should be in church today. When? Sunday morning, Sunday night? Well, not just Sunday morning, but Sunday school and Sunday morning and then Wednesday and Sunday night and Wednesday night. See? And, and if you're not there, what are we doing? We're taking attendance because you're not walking with God. And, and what did they just do? They just brought in this whole human, again, what is man trying to be? Wiser, as wise as God, if not wiser. It can't be this simple. See, I got to work. I can't look weak. So I'm there. Now, I'm not saying don't be there. But what did man do? They put a mandate on it. See, they got, if you want to have the blessings of God in your life, then you're going to, and then they just regurgitate. And you know what happens is, what happens when life falls apart? And you're doing all that they just told you to do. Now who do you blame? Can't blame the preacher because he don't. I'm blaming God. That verse ain't working. See? Paul says, no, 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 no. You want to get to God only wise be glory through who? Jesus Christ. Well, who's in Christ? We are the church. His church. His body is. See. So the. Why does he keep a secret? Because I got this stuff I'm going to be doing over here. That's the how. How I'm going to get all this accomplished is through the church, the body of Christ. Come over to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 
You see, we have to understand, when Paul talks here about be, uh, to God only wise be glory, we have to begin to understand something about God and how we ought to properly view him. See, how did man corrupt the glory of God? They changed the way they view him. They view him as a either a vending machine in the sky to dump out stuff all over you. Blessings, that's the blessings. Or he's an ogre, and he's nailing you for doing 56 and a 45. That belongs to the police department. Okay, see? And they use that. And Paul is, as he's wrapping up wrong, look, folks, we've got 16 chapters of doctrine that ought to tell you that, here, look at the... In Romans 12, verse 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. We ought, to be knowing, we ought to be living in the mercies of God. You know the sure mercies of David? Well, the mercies of God are bigger, better. And yet, what do we do? We just kind of mix them up. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness. I'll stop there. That's going to be a drawback in our thinking to back to Genesis chapter 1. The Apostle Paul drags you kicking and screaming back to Adam at every chance he can get. Why? Because that's where our human condition started. was with Adam, by one man. Sin, all right? Hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now, there's a lot of doctrine going on in here back in chapter 3 with Moses, and he had to hide in the veil and everything. And really, when you go back into Exodus and you study that out, the reason he had to hide himself was because Israel was not responding properly, properly to the glory that was shine of God through God's word working through Moses. Okay, so I said that real quick. You can go spend the time. We'll look at it when we get there in about 10 years, okay? Because we've got to go through 1 Corinthians first. But if you look at verse 6, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. You see, we're talking about how is he glorified? See, that's the light of the knowledge of. And that's the understanding that his glory is connected with his wisdom. His wise plan. And what is his wise plan? And we need to know something about this, again, because it's the only way to properly know God is to understand what God deliberately did. What did he deliberately do? He kept a system of information secret. He let Satan and man go run their thing. You know the worst judgment God ever gave man in Romans 1 was he gave them up to themselves. Three times he gives them up. Body, soul, and spirit. Spirit, soul, and body. Give them up. And he says, you know what? You want to know me, you got to come over here to this crazy nut called Paul who's waving that flag, my gospel, my gospel, my gospel. And I'll be honest with you folks, you can't know God in any real, tangible, rich way outside of this, of this issue here that Paul's presenting. How is God glorified to get today? When the church 
his body responds to his crowning achievement of wisdom. Not only victory over Satan, but also it exalts what the Father is going to accomplish for all of eternity. And the very fact that he's, he, he wants us to participate with him in that glory plan. That's what he wants. And that's what Paul's driving at. You've got all of this edification, all of this stability. I'm releasing you to it. Why? Because it's when you walk in it, when you live in it. Come back to 1 Corinthians 2. When you do that, what are you doing? You're doing exactly what, you, what the Father wants you to do, and that has to do with His glory. I told you 1 Corinthians 2. Run real quick over to Ephesians 3. Sorry. Maybe it's Ephesians 1. Yeah, Ephesians 1. I'm sorry. Verse 17. I'm not really sorry, but that sounds good. So, you've got to wake you up. You're all looking at me like, oh, I just woke up. Hey, listen, if I can get up at 4 a.m. in the morning and go hike Echo Canyon Trail up Camelback and get up almost to the top, I've been up there. I already know what the top looks like. So, we, okay, and then back down, then you can be up and rolling and running too, okay? No, I guess not. All right. Okay, my wife says, no, you can't. So, okay. <laughs> Ephesians 1, look, if you will, at verse 17. Again, Paul pray, Paul's prayer here. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of what? Of glory. May give unto who? You. Who's the you? Members of the body of Christ. The spirit of wisdom and the revelation and the knowledge of who? Him. Again, we have to understand him, who he is. Not only the Father, but the Son. What's happening? The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of, not your calling, whose calling? His calling. Now, you participate in His calling, but it's His calling. It's His plan. It has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with Him. And what has He done? He's brought you in to participate in His. And what the riches of the glory of his inheritance, where? In the saints. He's, he's inheriting you. That's why, that you are valuable to him. Why? He's got this plan. It hinges on Calvary, and it hinges on you trusting him. That free will, by faith, trust him. And he says, because you did that, ta-da! Behind curtain number one, here it comes. And we're to know that. Now, go back to 1 Corinthians 2. We read the verses a minute ago, but I want to go back into them here. So, the how. How is he going to get all this accomplished? Well, he's accomplishing it through who? Through you and I, the church, the body of Christ. One day, he'll call us all home, gather us all up, get us in, in our heavenly places, positions, and all of that process. And that's the ultimate conclusion of the dispensation of grace, not the body of Christ, by the way. People say, oh, the body of Christ ends at the rapture. No, it doesn't. The body lasts forever, lives on forever. Why? Because you and I are members of what? The body. 
We ain't dead yet. We're never dying. We're living. What ends with the rapture? The dispensation of grace. Because once the rapture's in, now where does he go back? It's time to dispense his wrath. Finish out Israel's program. Again, Romans 9, 10, and 11. Okay? Now just notice with me 1 Corinthians 2. In verse 6. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect. By that word perfect, you need to write 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 down somewhere. Because how are you perfect? All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Verse 17, that the man of God may be perfect, comma, truly furnished unto all good works. What Paul's doing here is he's saying, I cannot accelerate you guys at Corinth. I can't accelerate your edification process. You're behind. You're babes. You're struggling. We got to get you there. It's a little slower. See? And I'm not going to violate the working of the ministry of the Holy Spirit in your lives. I'm not going to do, I'm not going to dump a bunch of new stuff on you. You got to get, you got to get grown up first and so forth. By the way, that's what we're going to do in 1 Corinthians. But he says, listen, who I want to talk to are the mature group. Perfect, some maturity. Keep reading. Yet not the wisdom of this world, nor the princes of this world that come to naught. Again, the two categories. The wisdom of the world. There's man's wisdom. The princes of this world. There's the prince, the power of the air. There's the adversary. There's Satan. See? Paul says, listen, when I come up, if you look back up there at verse 1, and I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That's the very basic core, and Corinth is struggling on the issues of God's grace through the cross work of Christ. And, and he says, listen, I, I would love to take you on to some perfection. See? But I can't, because you're still stuck in the, back there in chapter 1, the wisdom of this world. Now watch verse 7. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom. Isn't that interesting? Which God ordained before the world. So now where are we? We're, way, we're back before Genesis 1.1. Okay. God's always existed, everlasting to everlasting. So there's time back there with the Godhead, the three members. And everybody goes, what was that like? Well, there's a life that the Godhead has. You can study through Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. That shows you what that was all about. And we'll, we'll talk about that later, okay? But in Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God what? Created. Now it starts. But before that, before, the, he ordained. I love that. He, he what? He said it so. He, boom, this is what we're doing. Proverbs says he laid out the wisdom plan, the plan called wisdom, and he lays the blueprint out. He ordained before the world unto what? Whose glory? Our glory. Isn't that wonderful? He's, you know what he says back here in before Genesis 1-1? He says, okay, guys, here's the plan. 
We're going to call this glory. So that's the title. Here's the, here's the agenda that we're going to do. And by the way, we're going to come over here and we're going to save some dirty rascals over here who deserve nothing but hell and the lake of fire and eternal damnation. And what we're going to do is we're going to take those guys who trust in Son, your cross work activity, and we're going to take them and we're going to scatter them all over the heavenly places out there. And we're going to, and he just starts laying it all out. And you know what the son says? Can we do it now? Why? Because it's to who? To our glory, but ultimately to whose glory? His glory, see. To God only wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. That's wonderful. God values His glory so much that in His wisdom, He says, you know what we're going to do? We're going to let some of these being creatures out here that we're going to create share in that glory. But they got to come how? My way. Because you know what they're going to do? They're going to try to develop their own wise plan. But we're going to let them. God loves liberty. He loves freedom. And he's, I'll let them develop that out. I'll let them go. But they're going to do the very thing that's going to be their demise. And that's Calvary. But I'm going to let them participate. Verse 8, which none of the princes of this world knew. Now, you can take that a couple ways in the context. Knew what? Well, the hidden wisdom. But what about the hidden wisdom? That God before the world began ordained unto, I'm sorry, which God ordained before the world unto what? You see, part of that hidden wisdom is the glory thing. And if think about it. If the adversary knew about raising a bunch of Gentiles and promoting them to glory, if you will, he would have what? Never killed the Lord of glory. The end of verse 8. See. So, what do we. Paul ends, 1627, ends this wonderful book of doctrine with to God only wise be glory through Jesus Christ. So, what about Christ puts on display his glory? The cross. The crucifixion. Come over to Colossians 2. Who was responsible for the cross? Think about that. Who was responsible for the cross? Well, Satan was, the adversary. But so was Israel. So was Rome. Well, who is Israel and Rome? Man. So who do we got? We got the wisdom of the world, man, and we got the wisdom of the princes, the adversary. And what did they do? Again, what did God do? He let them work. He let them go do the dirty work. But the result was the glorification of the only wise God. Look at Colossians 2. You see, folks, there's more going on at Calvary than what the world thinks about this just a dead Jew hanging there. And you're a fool to believe that. There's ultimately this plan happening in the background coming to pass. Colossians 2, look at verse 14. Again, again, 
the, the revelation of the mystery. Here's this hidden meaning of the work of the cross. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. Well, verse 13. And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Amen, right? Woohoo! Forgiven. He knows that once you're in Christ, he, he's going to forgive you, but he also knows you're going to mess up, so he's forgiven those. He's got them all covered. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, doing what? How did he blot out the handwriting of ordinances? That's the law. Remember Romans 3, 19, the law made the whole world guilty. By the way, that's another hidden meaning. Never revealed before. Israel, who was given the law? Israel was. The Gentile would have never said, hey, you know, give me a law. Where's my law, God? They didn't do that. Now, when they by nature did the law, it became a what to them? A law. See, chapter 2. When they did the thou shalt not kill, murder, when they did that, what, that, what did that commandment do to them? It became a law to them, see? It made them what? It made them guilty. Again, just think, <laughs> blotting out, you see, nailing it to his what? His cross. That is the, the ultimate display of his glory is what? The cross. Verse 15, and having spoiled. Now watch this. Now think about this. He does verse 14 for man. And what did he just do to the adversary? Spoiled them. Won the principalities and powers. He made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Now show of them how? No longer a secret hidden over here. Nobody know it, but what? Open display of His glory. Ephesians over there, chapter 1, talking about the power of God where He wrought it when He raised Christ from the dead. He put it on display. But this isn't a closed thing. It's what? It's open. It's open forever. There's no more secrets. I had a, one, one time a guy here, he, he's like, well, there's got to be more that God has for us. No, there's not. He's revealed it all. See? And he says, all the, I've given you all grace, all sufficiency, and all things. I've made this known. There's no more secret. I've revealed my will, the whole bit here. See? And Paul says... We're ending Romans because you're going to go now into life. And you better be remembering and thinking about who God is, yes, but also what He's done and what He's doing. Come, over, come back to Ephesians 3. By the way, you, you notice we're over here in Ephesians and in Colossians. We're a little more advanced. See, Paul, the end of Romans, not only is it going to link into 1 Corinthians, but it is literally going to link you over into Ephesians. Because not everybody coming out of the book of Romans is a babe carnal, i.e. 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. Not everybody is in the field of Galatians. There are some folks that come out of Romans perfected, mature. They don't need the, the rebuke and the correction of. They need what? 
the next advanced level of doctrine. And that glory, man, I'm preaching next week, aren't I? That glory hooked right into it. Okay, we'll look at that next time. Uh, you got Ephesians 3. Look at verse 10. You're there, I'm not. Verse 10. To the intent that, what's that word? When? Now. Unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the Apostle Paul preaching and teaching. By who? By the church. What are we revealing into the principalities and powers? I, I, we, when we studied angels, I told you the angels sit here and they watch. You've got the elect angels, saved angels. You've got the fallen angels. Just like you have in the world, lost and, and saved together in mankind. You got them up, and what are they doing? They're watching. You're a spectacle to them. And what does he say? Well, coming out of verse 9 there, from the beginning of the world hath been hidden God who created all things by Jesus Christ to the intent that now under the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. What are we putting on display? The manifold wisdom of God. What did he do? He came and he died. The new revelation of information given to the Apostle Paul says that that death, burial, and resurrection, if you trust him, place your faith and faith alone in him, his death, burial, and resurrection now becomes yours. Romans 6, 7, and 8. And now he gave you his death, but he gave you what? Resurrection, newness of life. And now you got a life to go live. And you can live his life, have his life live out. And that's verse 11, according to the eternal purpose, which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. So again, what's the church putting on display? The manifold wisdom of God. And what it, it's the glory of God. Now, by the way, look at verse 20. Uh, 20, 21, there it is. Unto him be glory. Where? No, in the church. Doesn't say by the church. It says what? Where? In the church. By Christ Jesus throughout all the ages, world with Where's the glory to be manifested in? The church. How does that get done? By the life of Christ and us, us uh, operating and functionally properly according to the sound doctrine, according to his wisdom revealed to Paul. Go back to Romans 16, because we'll be done verse 27. That's why verse 25 and 26 are so critical. Why? Because the glory of God has everything to do with his wisdom. What was his wisdom? I've kept a secret, and now I've made it known. I've revealed it to the Apostle Paul, who then turns and gives it to you, and you believe it, you trust it, it's the light of the gospel shining into your heart. You believe that. I got a life for you to live, and you've just come through the book of Romans, and you know where you're headed? You're headed to glory land. Let's get over in Ephesians and get in glory. But before you can do that, some of you have issues. Thus, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, and Galatians. How is he going to accomplish all of this? Through the who? The church, the body of Christ. Through you, ultimately, through you and I, as we 
understand what the glory of God is, the fact that it has everything to do with what he's doing today. And then we come over here and we go live that life. What's he doing today? The dog, the dispensation of grace. By the way, dog, I love that. You know what you and I are in, in the Old Testament? We're Gentile dogs. Now we go, oh, I'm not a dog, I'm a four-legged. No, you're, 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 you're on the wrong side of the issue. By the way, well, I'm, you ought to think about, you remember, the, you know the thing in the Gospels when the crumbs fall off the table and the lady and the dog, and she said, you know that the dog is in the house, in the room when that happens? I.e., the dog isn't outside. It's where? In, if the dog is going to receive the blessings of Israel's covenant, where do they have to be? They've got to be inside there. They've got to be around. So Anyway, what's God doing today? He's forming the church, the body of Christ, for the sole purpose of putting on open display the manifold wisdom of God, where, he put, where he's putting Satan on open display not only letting him do all of the, the work, but then taking the wise in their own craftiness. By simply and deliberately just keeping some information secret. And then he reaches down on the road to Damascus, Acts 9, Saul of Tarsus, the leader of the rebellion against God's people, and he stops that wild career. And Acts 26 says that on that road, he, that's his conversion. He gets my gospel. He sees that. And then he's commissioned out to go to who? Go to all of the lost. Heathen. Unbelieving Israel. Gentile. Get out there to everybody. And at that moment, the most shocked creature in the world was Satan. Not Saul of Tarsus. By the way, Saul of Tarsus knew who he was talking to because he called him Lord. But the reason why Saul understood who he was talking to is he sat at the feet of Gamaliel, a rabbinical scholar of the day, who had trained Saul of Tarsus to understand that when you see a great light come out of heaven, that it is, that is God Almighty and Creator. There he is. So when Saul saw the big light, it wasn't going, okay, what's going on here? You know, is it an eclipse? No, he knew who he was talking. He just hoped he didn't say, I'm Jesus of Nazareth, and he did, okay? Because he thought he was talking to who? To God Almighty. And not too sure, he was not a believer of the Messiah at all. Anyway, I digress real quick there then. Okay? To God only wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. Now next week we'll do one more. We'll, tie, we'll, uh, we'll go back through some Romans and tie in to... to, to the Corinthians and Galatians a little bit, but then I really want you to see that tie into Ephesians. Because not everybody is a Galatian believer, not everybody is a Corinthian believer. But we all need to be in the book of Ephesians. Okay? All right. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the book of Romans, for the foundation that it lays in our inner man that we can then stand on, sleep on, relax on, and enjoy life, your life in our lives as we go day by day. And we thank you for that. In your name we pray.